Blog Talk Radio. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Hi everyone, it's Natalie Jean, it's Natalie Jean, and it's Nat. Chatting with Nat, yes, we have Americana indie pop singer-songwriter Erin Pete Lukes. Nashville-based Americana indie pop singer-songwriter Erin Pete Lukes released her new EP, EPL, on March 4, 2022, recorded in Nashville in March 2021, and produced by songwriter-musician Rachel Bayman. The songs were inspired by Luke's love of the bluegrass music she studied, played in the past, and the pop and rock music she grew up singing. Her former tour manager once says, you can't, learn, you can't love Earl Scruggs and Taylor Swift at the same time. Luke's vowed to make music for those who do. Let's give her a round of applause. How are you, Erin? I'm great. I love the uh, the live studio audience. <laughs> the applause. Yeah, that's awesome. My my hands would not be able to do you justice. So you need yeah. to feel warm and fuzzy. So, you know, you got to have that applause out there. Um, yeah, I, I feel it's a rainy, cold day, but I feel warm and fuzzy right now. All right. Well, I did my job. I'm happy. Um, so how have you been during this whole crazy, crazy past three years? Um, yeah, I mean, it had my whole life changed. Like, yeah, I like, I, you know, I, I, one of the biggest things was I always resisted getting a dog because I was traveling so much and then the pandemic hit and it was like I would have I would thought I was gonna die unless I got a dog and so I got a dog and now I have a dog but I'm back to traveling and touring again so now I just do it with the dog or you know my parents watch her but yeah seriously really this whole it I did a lot of things I've been always meaning to do because of the pandemic and everything I love you already I have two cats, but eventually I want to um, get a, a couple of dogs. I, I love animals. And, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people, I mean, it was the greatest thing for animals. People were adopting yes. or string left and right. It was a beautiful good they thing. Were. I did and hear they, about some sad instances. Like, I heard some, just some sad instances where a lot of people gave their animals back once we went back to work, which really makes me really sad. Yeah, like, no, that's, you gotta, that's, you got to be ready for it, you know? Yeah, that that bothers me. That hurts me. Um, especially, I, I I just don't understand people. People that have had their pets for years and then they have to move, and some have left their their pets in the home. Some have. Yeah. They rehome. Well, if they rehome them, that's great. I don't know why they can't just bring the the pets to the shelter. I mean, that is just cruel. And then you see. Yeah. You, yeah. I I actually I, I have a cat. I, I adopted a cat too, and I got the cat. The guy who owned him before just moved and was like, "I don't want to move with this cat." So, I mean, he rehomed him to a good home, but I was just like, "How can you raise a cat 
for five years from a kitten and then does not want it. It just doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. And I have to confess, I'm one of those ones that are on either Instagram or, or Facebook and they'll show you stories about animals being mistreated or homeless on the streets. And I'm one of those that will sit there for hours bawling, crying. <laughs> oh. Say, oh, my God, why do these people do this? Um. I just, oh my gosh, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I just don't know why these people do that, but they're out there, and uh, hopefully all of these animals eventually get homes of their own because they need. And and what people don't realize is that you know animals are very sensitive. Those that are re- returned back to the shelter, they'll sit in a corner, they'll cry, they're scared. Um, they just, yeah, you're exactly right. You better be ready for all of it, and you better keep keep the pet okay that's that's for me yeah and once you once you and my once you adopt an animal you take on their financial responsibility of their that's health right. and their well-being for until that's they right. pass away that's just oh, the way that that's how i feel about my when i got my animals i got them the cat was five the dog was three and i was just like these are my pets until they that's die right. i'm just going to take care make sure that they have the best life possible because that's my responsibility now see oh, oh my god i love you i i you're a fur <laughs> You are a fur mommy. You have joined the ranks oh, of the fur oh, mommy. Yes. I, I think love everybody it. who follows me on social media knows that I am completely a fur mom. <laughs> right. Now, obviously, the pandemic and everything surrounding the pandemic was crazy. Um, but there are some, you know, there's cons, there's pros. Obviously, the cons is people got sick, people died, a lot of people lost loved ones. Some people are still on ventilators. Or some people had to have limbs imp- amputated. But on the pro side of things, yes, there are pros. Um, and I always tell people this. The oddest things for me that I saw were people walking outside with their families. You know, because so people are so consumed mm-hmm. with walking or their cell phones and stuff like that. And people, people had the time to walk outside. Um, animals and Mother Nature, you know, when we weren't outside, the pollution level went down. The animals in the trees yeah. were like, oh, it is so lovely. Do you think they'll come back? Hopefully not. But we did come back. Um, there are people that yeah. <laughs> decided to cut back on work hours because they realized they weren't spending enough time with their families. There are people that completely quit their job because they realized, oh, my gosh, I need to do something that makes me happy. Money's great. But um, after this pandemic, it seems like life is even shorter. And then you have artists that decided to rebrand. You have artists that decided to, just to do their own thing, um, create new music. You know, there's a lot of uh, introspection, a lot of self-reflection during this time. So during this time, did you time, take time to self-reflect? Did you decide to stay the same as the artist? Did you want to do something different? What did you think about? Yeah, um, I definitely went through that. My band of seven years, we sort of, it wasn't quite a breakup. It was more like a disintegration um, because the pandemic made those guys think about what they wanted. And, you know, one of my bandmates went on to join another band. One of my bandmates decided that, you know, his, where his music wanted to go was not necessarily where my music wanted to go, which was hard. Um, And then once that happened, I was like, Usually with that band, whenever someone left, it was clear who was coming in next. It, just, it seemed to work out where, like, one person would leave, but we turn around, and there it is. There's the next person that's supposed to be in the group. But this, it didn't, I didn't see the future anymore with that band. Um, and it really sounds like a relationship whenever I talk about it. But, yeah, so I just was like, once I finally, like, allowed myself 
to like, could I let go of thunder and rain? Is that something that I'm willing to let go of? And I thought, yeah, it feels like it might be time to just not, because I was grasping so hard to try to make it work. And it just, I literally just let go and that was it. Wow. Yep. A lot of things changed. I know for, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I definitely, before the pandemic, I was like, oh, I want to be more effective player with my music because I do a lot of social impact message songs. And um, and then after, the, uh, during the pandemic, I said, I'm definitely doing that. Um, you, there's a lot of things we learned through the pandemic, you know, about friends, family, some people, we just had to let go of. Uh, everybody I talked to, yeah, some people were like, yeah, I unfriended quite a few people. Um, didn't realize they were so, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, right. It's been truly uh, an interesting dy- dynamic uh, trying to live through this. And there were mornings I would pinch myself and say, okay, are we in the 21st century? What's happening here? Um, yeah, I know. It, felt, it does feel very, like, unreal. Yeah. Yeah. You think about something like this would have, you know, 1930s, 1940s, not 2020. No, not that time. Now, how did you discover bluegrass and country music? Um, was it something that you heard, something that you saw? What was it that made you say, okay, Aaron got to do bluegrass country music? Yeah, it's actually funny because a lot of people grew up playing bluegrass with their families or whatever, and <laughs> I, I really didn't. I had no no sense of bluegrass or country growing up. I grew up in Southern California where it was all about saw and punk and red hot chili peppers and Snoop Dogg and which are all really great bands. Um, but um, I, I was in college in Seattle mm-hmm. and Seattle has a pretty big like acoustic old time scene. And I saw this band at this coffee shop that had banjo, mandolin, fiddle, and they weren't quite bluegrass. And now that I think back, they were more, a little bit more old time. Um, okay. A little bit more, yeah, just not quite like the hard driving bluegrass that is in Nashville that I go see now. Um, and I just remember I couldn't describe what that music was, but I right. saw them and it was like, I want to do that. And I had several realizations like that. Um, another one was when I was studying abroad, because even though I saw them, I was like, that's amazing. I didn't quite grasp what it was, nor could I find it. But then my friend introduced me to a band called Crooked Still, and they're sort of like a they do a lot of bluegrass standards in really cool modern ways. And okay. I listened to them. I was like, whatever this is, this is what I want to do. And then the, the kind of the final straw was um, Down from the Mountain, a documentary about Oh Brother Where Art Thou? Right, yeah. Um, like it's like Gillian Wells, Allison Krauss, Emmylou Harris, they're all the Ryman like singing together. And I used to watch that documentary every single night and just kind of like, I just absorbed it. And then ever since then, then I was sort of, I was, on the rabbit hole but it took me a little while to finally break in and realize what I needed to do and then right. when I realized it then I started listening to a bunch of bluegrass and going to the bluegrass jams and going to the jams was really what taught me how to do it that is awesome now do you play an instrument yes um I play guitar um and then I also can I can play mandolin and ukulele and piano but guitar is my main instrument and what I dedicate a lot of time to and what I teach that's awesome. Um, I, I love artists that play an instrument. I don't play one. I'm, this is the year. I keep seeing this this year. And I've had a, a smart keyboard. Hey, well, you know, now you know a guitar teacher. I do virtual lessons. So oh, we should link up on that. Yes. I, well, you know what? I tried to start um, 
a couple years back, I tried to do the guitar and I felt felt like a contortionist. And just recently, uh, somebody said, you know, they have um, they make guitars for women. I don't know why they didn't tell me there's that guitar center. So um, or, or they make guitar. They just you can get. I don't know if it's. I don't know. I mean, that sounds kind of funny. A guitar for women. I I think maybe what they mean is they make smaller guitars, like parlor size, yeah, three quarter size that. guitars. Yeah. Because some well, guitars can be huge. Like, my tailor is giant, but, like, you can get a recording king, and it's parlor-sized, and, like, I recommend that to, like, parents of, like, 10, 11, 12-year-old girls because their hands can handle it. Yeah. So I may take you up on that, um, but I do have a smart keyboard here that's been in a box for five and a half years that I was, like, oh. I could, you hook up your, your um, iPad to it, and it teaches you how to put that. I'm going to open the box. This is the year. Because every time I hear somebody say, like, yeah. 2022? 2022. I hear everybody playing. Yeah. You know, I, I played this instrument, that instrument, but I, I definitely would love to learn how to play the guitar. So I may contact you when I get one, a smaller guitar, yeah. and learn how to play. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, how important is it for you to be authentic as a person and in your songwriting? Um, in the songwriting, I mean, it's not that important, I guess, because. <laughs> Sometimes, as a songwriter, you just make stuff up. Right. Uh, like, like I often write from, like, a like a true experience, like something that happened to me, but then I'll just sort of, like, twist it a little bit because either I yeah. don't want the person who's it squarely about to know, so I'm like, right. oh, that's a little too on the nose. I'm going to twist it a little bit. Or just to make the story make sense, like, people, like, for instance, I wrote this song about my family um, and, my, and the house I grew up in, and there's this line where you know, where I say mama's working in the yard and daddy's gone on like, like daddy's off or something. And right. my parents make fun of it because they're like, you make, you make it sound like he's left the family and also mom hates yard work or something. And I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, it's literally just, it's a song. I'm just, I'm just saying what fits, you know, with the mood and the lines and the rhythm and all that stuff. So honestly, to me, authenticity in a song I guess, like, I want to be my authentic artist self, but my authentic artist self likes to make shit up. Sorry. <laughs> make stuff up. <laughs> yeah, you can create whatever you want. No, I, I, I think that's awesome. And yeah, so what? That's art- how I feel about it. All right. And what artists, who, yeah, what artists inspire you? Um, well, uh, lots of different artists. Um, like, as far as musical artists, um, I mean, you mentioned her in my bio, which is Taylor Swift. It really inspires me um, okay. and has for a long, almost my whole damn life, seems like. Um, I just, I like the way she's developed as a songwriter. She's writing now, like she's kind of write about love and heartbreak and all that stuff. Now she's sort of writing these like story songs, like intricate characters and situations. Right. Like, almost like she watched a movie and decided to write a song about it. And uh, that's pretty cool. And um I just like some artists, like, I like seeing them evolve. Like, Casey Musgraves is another one. Yeah. She's, like, evolving yeah. through time um, and writing about different things and doing different things with their music. Whether or not you like her direction doesn't really right. matter to her, and I like it. So, Amen. whatever. I just like people love to say things about women musicians, like, oh, well, now she's all pop. It's like, so? Who cares? Like, she's doing what she wants. I don't know why. And they don't care what you think. So, you know, I, I just like to see the women songwriters evolve through time. That's been really any any woman songwriter evolving through time inspires me. Now, 
how do you, what do you think about that? The whole genre thing. So, you know, a lot of people want you to be in a specific genre and I do many genres. Now I'm focused on Americana singer songwriter folk right now because I just love the storytelling aspect of those. And I do like the instrumentation. I have to be honest with that. Um, but a lot yeah. of people, especially that I interview, they're like, they don't like to say that there's specific genre, which I don't, I don't, I think that's great because we don't tell artists that paint, but you didn't put a dash of orange or blue in here and this is wrong and this is not the true work that we're doing. So why do, do they do this to musicians? So how do you, how do you feel about that whole genre thing? Cause I always say I'm an artist. I create. Uh, yeah. I feel like every recording project requires something different. So right. like on this on this EP that I'm putting out, I have a song called queen. And I, when I wrote it, I heard it as a pop song, like straight up as a pop, as a pop rock song pretty much. And so when it was time to record it, it just, it would feel not, authentic to the song to put fiddle and banjo in it as much as I am obsessed with fiddle and banjo and honestly I tend to when I listen to music I listen to more music with like more acoustic elements in it than mm. I do like pop too but like right. it just kind of to me it's like what does this song need what is it calling out for and so I think that's why the genre conversation you know when you're in a band like when I was in a bluegrass band the last album we did we wanted to make progressive bluegrass because that's but what we that's where what we were and kind of what we developed into at the end of the day. And so we set out to make like the best bluegrass album we could possibly make. And that had it with it, its genre. But like when you're a solo artist, I kind of think you have more freedom to experiment. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm the type of person, you know, I like to put instruments, pair instruments that have never been paired together just to give a different sound. Oh. You know, yeah. I love doing that. And, um, you know, I was researching country music the other day, and I didn't even realize there was, like, country gothic music. Wow. I didn't have yeah. never heard that music, but yeah, I thought it's cool. I, yeah, because I was, well, what I was, because I, I have a song that's coming out on February 11th, and I wanted to. Oh, to be, yeah, Thanks. And I wanted it to be kind of dark and kind of folk singer songwriter just mixing it all up and then so I was researching on um on Google and there's like there's like yeah that's country gothic and I'm like well I'm going I love this and I wrote this song it's basically more for sync but it's about the pandemic and stuff like that and I, and I, I like to put curveballs in my stuff I, I just like to create the music that I want to create I you know I don't want, I don't like having a standard form so let me ask you this when you are writing your music do you prefer to stay in in a standard like you know I recently learned even though I do country that they you know they want everything to rhyme and you can't use this word and my whole concept is that it's about telling a story why does it have to rhyme anyway <laughs> um and sometimes I'll write like it's a poem I won't have you know like um verse verse chorus bridge verse and all that stuff I, I just like to do what I want to do and I think we should be more you know, artists should be more open. I think some artists are afraid to do that because they like to stay in the standard form. But I love being open and creative with my music so that somebody, when they listen to it, they're like, oh, I didn't think of doing something like that. That's interesting. So with your your artistry, are you open to doing, not crazy things, but interesting things out there with your music? <laughs> Definitely. I, you know, I was thinking about this 
with um, an artist named John Hartford. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he's kind of a bluegrass troubadour type person from, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And I think he passed away in the early or mid 2000s. Um, but he wrote so much music and some of it is so strange hard to listen to, but some of it is the most brilliant song you've ever heard. And I kind of think in order to get like the brilliant song, you have to write all the weird stuff too. Like I, I feel like I'm guilty of always trying to write the hit every time I sit down. And I've really, Mm. really lately come to find that it's way more fun to write like a painter paints. You have several canvases or you have several songs in the works. And you kind of catch on things and experiment because I, I think if you don't experiment and let yourself get weird or do this, then you're never mm-hmm. going to get that. Because, like cause John Hartford wrote Gentle on My Mind, which is the most recorded song in history. And Gentle on My right. Mind is like so brilliant. It'll give you chills just reading the lyrics because it's that brilliant. But I don't think he would have gotten there if he mm-hmm. wasn't out there doing a bunch of weird stuff too. Exactly. Oh, I love that. I just love, I love experimenting. You know, a couple of people have asked me to, you know, co-write on songs and like country music. And then one person said, you kind of dip a toe out. And I really like that. You're not afraid to do different things. I said, because life is short. I mean, for me, the radio stations are inundated with the same type of music over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, people want something different and people want music that they can relate to also you know it's not always you know love relationship yeah 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 but there's like more in the world to write about you know and I think and I think to a lot of people that during the pandemic there were more people listening to independent artists than before because they had the time to you know yeah and independent writers writers for me are deeper than most than a lot of the mainstream artists we yeah that's my core um, so you moved to Nashville from Colorado. How was that? Yeah. Was it like a culture shock? Um, what was your initial reaction to the move? Um, it was a culture shock, honestly. Um, especially because I moved in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, and, wow. uh, like, pandemic differently than Colorado does. And <laughs> uh, so I was sort of used to the, being treated one way. And then it was being treated a different way when I moved here. And there were pros and cons to both, right? Right. Because, like, it was nice to actually be able to go out and, like, meet people and play music again when I moved here. Right. Like, that was nice. The caveat is I got COVID again. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, when you take the risk, you take the risk. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like, there's no judgment either way, I, I think. But at the same time, it was certainly a shock. Because I was just really shocked to see people, you know, not – going as hard into the protection level of the pandemic as they were in Colorado. Um, mm. So then now I get, now I get culture shock when I go back to Colorado and I'm like, Oh yeah, I have to put my mask on to go to a store. And I, <laughs> I'm like, I really, I'm really trying to talk about it as neutrally as possible because it's really hard to talk about this and not, you know, start to get into arguments with people. But at the same time, it's the, the truth is Tennessee treats it differently than Colorado. And that was shocking to me. And that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, it's it's funny because during the pandemic, I think I went to Oklahoma and it was totally different. Oh, wear your yeah. mask. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Don't worry. Do you get in the car? Yeah. No, you don't need to. In this, it's just like okay, my head's about to spin off because I don't got. Yeah. Just, this is too crazy. It was hard. I felt like you know there were people who it was either I was hanging out with people who didn't care about the pandemic 
right. and were sort of reckless about it. But hey, I had friends and they were hanging out and playing music with me. So I was like, this is cool. And, you know, I'm taking my risks and making my choice and whatever. This is before we were vaccinated too. And then, mm-hmm. and then I had friends who were really, really stringent about it. And I felt left out because I felt like I wasn't in their pod or I wasn't right. like, allowed to go in their house. And I got it, but I was also sort of like felt left out in this weird way. And yeah, I'm so here. It, just got, it was just I, when everyone got vaccinated, it <laughs> got a lot better because yeah. then the people who wanted to be protected, like myself, got vaccinated, mm. got protected, and right. uh, and then the people who didn't didn't, and then we we're all a little bit more on the same playing field. Um, so, you know, I'm vaccinated, and I like totally get the like pandemic restrictions and I, I follow them wherever I am but at right. the same time I was also like well I need to make friends in a new city so it was just like I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself out there and, and hang out with people and take the risk no I completely get it it's, 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 yeah it's, just, it's a crazy time now tell me about your new EP and you know the writing process for all the songs on there um, so I wrote most of the songs um, in the first couple months of the pandemic, March and April 2020. My friend who lives in Nashville, Tristan Scroggins, shout out Tristan, he put out a, a songwriter uh, challenge where every day you had to write about something. And this was so good for me because this was the first time I really started writing like a painter where I was sort of like working on something every day and I wasn't too attached to the outcome. And so I wrote most of the songs that way and then five of them that way and then the other two I wrote in my first two months of living in Nashville. Mm. So um, really, and they were, both of those times were times of great uh, isolation. Like when I first moved to Nashville, I didn't have any friends. So I was alone a lot. And then in the, in the pandemic, I uh, was quarantined by myself. So both, I was both born out of isolation and boredom and um, (laughs) which I think are actually good places to write songs when you're isolated and bored. So I think that's why everybody's putting out an album right now. It's because yep. everyone wrote songs in the pandemic. Yeah, I, I know a lot of people that did this. They're like, yeah, this came out of the pandemic. You know, it was yep. for me, though, is my brain shut down during the pandemic. Like, I couldn't write. I wasn't motivated. In December 2020, I did get COVID. It was bad, but bad enough, not bad enough to go to the hospital. But um, okay, I was okay. just non, non-motivated. <laughs> And then 2021 came and I was uh, very uh, motivated and I released like seven, no, nine singles in 2020. Wow. So it was very crazy. Now I'm going to play your song, Loneliness or Solitude. Tell us what that's about. Oh, cool. Um, This is actually one of my favorite, I think this might be my favorite uh, recording. I just love the way it turned out. Um, this song I wrote when, after I found out that our UK tour was canceled. It was kind of the most upset I got about right. tour cancellations or show cancellations. Now when they cancel, I'm just like, okay. But that tour, I was really upset. And I just, it may, really made me realize that I had no control and I had to just wait for everything to happen in its own time. So right. I just kind of wrote like, I wrote it acapella actually, which I never really do. Because I just wanted to write like a Irish ballad. And so it, that was kind of my idea behind it. And then it became this whole like rock song. Oh, I love it. Let's play it. Cool. Far away a distant shore, 
Beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank Good. you. Thank God. You that was cool to hear. Beautiful. You have a beautiful Thank voice. You. I Thank mean, you. I mean, you appreciate that. You were meant to do bluegrass country. That's definite. That's a definite. Yeah. I know. Actually, you might enjoy this story. So I was um, training to drive. I was 16, right? And I was doing the like driving training with this dude. Right. And we were, so I was driving and he was next to me and I was doing my driving around the town and the Beatles came on and I, I was singing to it and he goes, wow, you're kind of like a country voice. You sound really country. And I was like, ew, I don't like country. <laughs> and now it's like, now that's like my entire life. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of funny. Like, I think my voice was always meant to sing bluegrass country Americana, but yeah. I didn't know it until later in life. Yeah. Definitely, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, have you thought about getting your songs doing sync and licensing? Oh, I mean, who has? What songwriter doesn't think about that? Um, it's, it's funny. I think people are always like, have you thought of doing a, have you ever thought of doing Bonnaroo? It's like, yeah, I think about it every day. <laughs> Thinking about it doesn't make it happen. <laughs> but yeah. it's, it's definitely one of those things where that's like why I moved to Nashville because I feel like just being here and writing in this town and getting my music out in this town is how I could possibly maybe get into something like that. You'd be surprised how many people I've spoken to and I said, have you ever thought about doing thinking licensing? They say, oh, no, not really. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and they, and I, they I, have- I want to pay. I want to buy a house someday. Yeah, of course it's all about singing licensing. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm. You know I like to do my own albums and stuff like that. But most recently, you know I've delved more into writing for sync, and but I have to be motivated. I can't just be okay. I'm. I can't just sit and write a song. I have to be inspired by something that I've watched or a lot of my hmm. songs. Um, I wrote a song uh, last year, I think it was, I watched the show on Netflix and I was inspired and I, this never happened. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I want to write a song for this show. And I did. And it's just, it's just crazy. And, you know, and we're pitching things out there. It's just, yeah. you know, obviously we're not making money as streaming. If you're touring, that's great. You're making some money there, but you you got to find different avenues and think the licensing is just the place to do it now. Mm. Yeah, I'm really like, you know, right now, touring doesn't really make me that much money right now. It's sort of a labor of love and like, investment. Um, So I'm, you know, I make my money and my rent and my bills uh, teaching music, um, private, private music lessons. Um, And most people in Nashville have something else that they do. And I think most musicians like musicians will own, you know, a restaurant on Broadway. Or, you know, there's a musician named Nikki Lane here that she owns a high-class thrift shop, like a vintage shop. And, like, I think most artists that are smart have other ventures money really off your albums anymore. And, like, I was talking to my friend this morning about starting his own booking agency and publishing company, and I think that's a really good idea. Um, so, you know, I've, I've thought about, like, publishing a instructional book for kids on guitar um, and all that kind of stuff. So, I'm always sort of thinking outside the box because I love performing and it's definitely like, I'll do it for, it doesn't take that much to get me to perform in the right situation. But I mean, of course it would be ideal if I could make money, good money playing out and with the thinking. And I mean, I think that's the dream is to really, I don't think the dream is necessarily like, I want to be famous, but the dream is to like, I want to 
be stable and, and perform and do all these different things and have them all make enough income where I can live comfortably in society, you know? That I hear kind you. of the updated dream. I hear you. Now, what do you love most about being in Orlando? And being in what? What do you love most about being an artist? Um, I love like the unconventional. I love, I, I guess I, my favorite thing about being an artist is my life has never lacked purpose. Mm. I've always, always known what I've wanted to do. And it's gotten me through a lot of tough situations, you know, breakups or, you know, I had um, surgery on my voice and that was like, so that was like as, traumatic of an event as I've ever had and I'm very lucky for that but it's just like you know I really had to clean up my act in order to be the best singer possible and I don't think I would have ever you know done that if it hadn't been for the fact that I'm just like really driven to uh, make art and to have people hear it and to perform it so I feel like it's just give it's the thread that's run through my entire life and has given me my friends, my community, my, my, my finances, everything is because of this art and this desire to make it. And the desire for teaching, it's the desire to pass my knowledge along to others, which I love. I, I know some musicians don't like to teach and do it out of necessity. I love it. I love telling people about music. So um, I really think I'm really grateful to be an artist and a musician because without it, I don't know. I don't even know what life would be like. So I just, if this is my only life and I'm not going to get reincarnated or anything like that, then I'm really, I feel very lucky that I'm an artist. Amen to that. I love it. Now I'm going to play your song, Country Music Break, Breaks My Heart. Tell me what that's about. You have to say it with an accent. Country Music Breaks My Heart. And it, yep. that's basically okay. what it's about, right? I'm sorry? That's basically what it's about, right? Yeah, I mean, it's basically about how sad music makes you happy. And that or sad music doesn't make you happy, but when when you when you're sad and you listen to sad music, it makes you feel better. All right. Let's play it. Take me to back 
another hit. Thank Love you. This. Now, <clears throat> what are three things you wish you had known before you got into the music industry? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> three things I wish I had known. Um, I wish I, uh, oh my gosh. It's, <laughs> I, I'm flooded with emotion. Um, <laughs> I I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of am really grateful about how naive I was in some ways. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be like, I, I wish I had known how much people don't care about you or how much money. I guess I wish I had known how much money everything took. That might be the one thing. Like Amen. how much money everything really costs. Cause um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I just maybe would have planned better you know, with my money and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Um, and then I wish I knew like that, you know, that it, I guess I wish I, I wish I could have told myself like, Hey, this will take your entire life. It's not like you get discovered by somebody and then it's over. Like this will That's take, right. this is going to a lifelong, but I also, I'm glad I didn't know that because the naive hope really carries you pretty far in the beginning. So, right. Right. Um, so like, I would never, I would never dash a young artist dreams like that. This stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really distracted. My dog sees a squirrel outside and she's literally shaking. She's having like an out of body experience. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I reacted to anything the way that my dog reacts to squirrels. It's something else. Yeah. Um, that's, that's honestly, I wouldn't tell myself anything. I would be like, go forth, young one. Go, like, I don't regret a single thing. I really, really don't. And I know people say that all the time, but it's like, yeah, because like a lot of people got beat down by like when they went to music school or something. It kind of like right. made them think that they suck. And I never had a moment like that. I just was so naive and hopeful on this naive cloud that carried me through like the first four years of my band through a lot of terrible gigs and a lot of terrible situations that I didn't know were terrible so I'm just I, I'm glad I didn't know more that's what I'm saying I like that I like yeah no you know one of the things I want you, you just didn't know how hard the music business would be it's crazy yeah yeah I didn't know I guess I didn't know how long I, I, I recently read one of my diaries from middle school and it horrified me because I I'm such like a Capricorn even as a child I was like mapping out my life plan when I was 12 and by 30 I said I was going to have three kids and quit being a singer because I was going to retire from singing at 30 and I was like oh my gosh 30 seems really old when you're 12 so I think that's all it was but yeah I was going to move on to my magazine career because I was convinced that magazines were going to be in in rom-coms in the 2000s, every successful woman worked in a magazine. So I think that's really where it came from. <laughs> Whereas I didn't know that magazines were going to not become relevant anymore. It's just, it's just like you think, but the, the, the bottom line is like, you only need that one big break and things will just pew, pew, go all over the place. It's just, I keep saying it. That's just that one big break. That's all I need. I think you know, from what I've seen from a few of my friends that really have sort of broken through is it's not really, you don't really have one big break. You have one really good year. Like that seemed more, more likely. It's not like one thing's going to change your life, but one year you might have the best year of your life. Like where you literally play all your dream venues and do everything you've ever dreamed of. Like 
I kind of think that's really possible. We're like, oh, crap, this is the year where I'm playing NPR Mountain Stage and, you know, Merle Fest and Red Rocks and Harley Strictly Bluegrass all in the same year. <laughs> but it, it's like, but for 10 of those, for 10 years before that, you're just vlogging, you know? True. That's true. That is a different perspective on things. But I have seen people that's like, they, they do one thing and then it's all of the, you know, and like the people on TikTok or, or Reels and stuff like that, they, like there's one guy, I think he's from Africa, all he does is look at somebody else's video that does something, something really hard or stupid or whatever, and, and he'll show you the basic way of doing it. And it's like, and, and Amanda's a multimillionaire just because he had that, yeah. one, idea, that one idea. It kills me. It kills me. Um, one last question is, what inspirational quote, message, or saying do you like to use to mo- motivate you, push you, if you do have one? Hmm, inspirational quote. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't really need a quote to be motivated. I actually use quotes to help me calm down because hmm. I need help more with that to calm down, settle in. Um, and to like be more present because I'm quite motivated right. and ambitious to a fault a little bit to myself. Um, and so I actually think about like I say here and now to myself a lot. I know it sounds really cheesy, um, mm. but I actually I really I struggle with anxiety and future tripping and all that good stuff. So um, I actually just think you know like I've arrived. I'm here. This is the dream um, right here in this moment. Talking to you, I can even remind myself of that. So be here now is sort of one of my things I think about a lot. All right. Well, that works for you. That is awesome sauce. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on Chatting with Nat. God, you have an awesome, beautiful voice. I can't wait for your album to come out so I can listen to it. Thank you, Nat. Yeah, well, I'll definitely send you one when I get the physical copies in a few weeks. Oh, please, please do. Um, play it yes, on I will for sure. Play it on repeat. Um, I learned a lot from you. Um, you are awesome, especially now that you are you're a fur mama. It makes you even more special. Yep. <laughs> Being a fur it's mama. Still, I'm still a mom, okay? Maybe I'm not. I'm not a mother to three kids, but I'm a mother to two animals, and That's I'll take it. And yeah. hopefully, one day we we can do an IG live. Ooh, that'd be super fun. Yeah, that'd be great. I yeah, love that. Those are always those are always super fun. Um, but I hope you have the a great rest of the week and I'll be watching you. Thank you too, Nat. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. All right, everybody. That was Americana indie pop singer songwriter. Erin Pete Luke, she's awesome. She's on she has a website, ErinPeteLuke.com. She's on Facebook, she's on Instagram, she's on YouTube, she's on TikTok, she's on all the streaming platforms. Check her out. Until next time on Chatting with Nat. Chatting with Nat is a podcast for independent women seeking to speak their truth and to break down barriers. We host honest conversations that help to guide and empower women. Speak your truth and set yourself free. Let your voice be heard. Love your voice.